This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushduni. Chapter 20, Counselling and Change. We must recognise that there are pastoral counsellors who see their work as the cure of souls. Such pastors recognise that the problem is either an unregenerate heart or else a lawless, antinomian life on the part of someone who may be a believer. For them, the first fact requiring determination is the status of the person. Is he or she saved or unsaved, regenerate or unregenerate? There is a much-neglected verse in Jeremiah which confronts us with the basic issue. Quote, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. End quote. From Jeremiah 13, verse 23. This denies the possibility of self-reformation, or the existence of any human agency which can affect a, a substantial change. No more than the leopard can change his spots can a man be changed by a human agency. Men must be restrained by men, but they cannot be changed. Basic to the heresy of counselling, however, whether in its humanistic forms or its development within the churches, is this belief that a man can be changed by human agencies. In many churches, for example, counsellors create a dependency syndrome, even as secular counsellors do. If you alone or as a couple are counselled, then regular checkups, as with a doctor, must follow. These may be weekly, monthly, quarterly or annually, but the person remains dependent on the counsellor for balance and perspective. A codependency with the counsellor is created to prop up the person counselled and to feed the counsellor's belief in his necessary function. It is not surprising that this counselling heresy has arisen in connection with Arminianism. Arminianism reserves to man the power of determination. A long popular illustration of the meaning of Arminianism is this. God votes for your salvation, the devil votes for your reprobation, and you cast the deciding vote. Man thus elects himself, whether to salvation or reprobation. His free will is the central fact of the moral universe. In the view of Arminianism, facts can be provided by God and men to assist the individual in his decision, but the decision is his. Because of this, a man can be guilty of backsliding, changing his mind repeatedly, and thus be lost and saved several times in his life. I once met a man, decades ago, who said he had been saved and lost perhaps a dozen times, in either case, saved or lost, it was his doing. The world of Arminianism has two means of helping people save themselves. 
First, there is the old-fashioned Armenian revival with its decision-making. The most noted current practitioner is the Reverend Billy Graham. Both radio and television give us examples of revivalism daily. Everything is made to depend on the individual. Supposedly, both God and the devil wait on his decision and are helpless without it. Revivalism is essentially flattering to man. Although it has a show of humility in going forward and publicly acknowledging a sinful estate, it even more caters to man's fallen pride. God waits on man to decide and God is helpless to act until man makes the decision. Second, there is counselling, which is, in essence, revivalism reduced to a one-on-one basis. Instead of a mass meeting, the needy person exercises his free will within a counsellor's office. The initiative is his. He goes to the office and he accepts or rejects the diagnosis. This is not salvation. It is humanistic self-reformation. The question remains this. Can the leper change his spots or the sinner save himself? Is salvation the sinner's choice or is it God's electing grace? An old proverb declares, A tree is known by its fruit and not by its leaves. This is also true in the realm of the moral changes within a man. The counselling heresy rests on Arminianism. It asserts that while God can assist the change, the initiative belongs to man. Paul tells us, quote, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. End quote. From Romans 10.17 True change is a supernatural renewal of man. It is a new birth, a new creation. From John 1.12-13, 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Galatians 6.15 The Puritan movement is easily criticised because men of power stand so clearly on basic issues that they are more open thereby to criticism and attack. The strength of Puritanism rested in unswerving and intense interest and delight in scripture. David Clarkson held that the pastor should look to the spirit and use his reason because faith does not abolish but improve reason. In the words of Gerald R. Craig, So the conscientious minister gave himself to study with a kind of maniacal zeal and considered it a sacrifice when matrimony reduced his daily span of work from 14 hours to 8 or 9. Charnock devoted almost all his time to study. His library was his workshop and his friends solemnly observed that had he been less in his study, he would have been less liked in the pulpit. Even when he walked abroad, His thoughts still ran on his studies and would pause to jot down ideas that might be useful in his sermons. This was the strength of Puritanism, its unwavering belief in the sufficiency of Scripture. For the Puritans, the counsel of God was man's only valid recourse. As has been pointed out, the perspective and orientation of most counseling is man centered, not God centered. The goal is problem-solving with respect to everyday affairs. In itself, such a goal is not wrong. If we have an infected finger, we want that finger healed. If a tooth is decayed, we want an immediate remedy for the toothache. To a degree, there is a limited analogy between medical problems and problems in human relationships. 
There is, however, a very important difference. An infected finger or a bad tooth will not affect our eternal destiny. No one has ever been kept out of heaven for bad teeth. Now, in our various relationships in marriage, the church, the world and with ourselves, we are manifesting our nature and giving an indication of our destiny. Humanistic counselling tries to enable us to function better in all our daily spheres of life. Such functioning can be good or bad. St Athanasius failed to get along with the churchmen of his time. This was to his credit and essential to his greatness. In the 14th century, success came to mean increasingly worldliness and sin. This came to be so common an equation that there was, quote, an ever-increasing implication that those who fare well in this world will fare worse in the next, end quote. The godly men were sometimes the social misfits. Thus, in counselling, an important series of questions remain unanswered. Do you want to be changed and by whom? What is the real problem? To whom and to what do you want to be conformed? John T. McNeil, in discussing Washington Gladden's The Christian Pastor and the Working Church, 1898, called attention to the fact that Gladden, quote, seems almost to substitute a mere secular friendliness for the devout labour traditionally demanded, end quote. Gladden replaced confession and restitution with friendliness and sympathy as though these things could remedy the problems of sin and evil. Gladden was a distinguished leader of early modernism. However, in McNeil's words, quote, He is in fact less concerned with the cure of souls than with the harmonious operation of the church in its local units. End quote. This should not surprise us. Gladden did not believe in regeneration by God through Christ. He was an early champion of the social gospel. Because of the destruction he and others wrought, new remedies had to be forthcoming to redeem society. These were, first, salvation by political action. The state became the agency for the regeneration of man and society. Religious fervour for these men was transferred from God to politics. Second, in the personal sphere, psychology and counselling now provided the means of changing the person. In both areas, the churches were all too ready to follow the world. Arminianism and antinomianism had prepared the way. This is the end of chapter 20. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.